you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Be talking about an important subject, and that is God, guns, and the Constitution. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I just want to get your reaction and see who, who walked out the door and the other you know, who stayed here. We're actually going to be talking about something completely different from, from that today. Um, no, but seriously, the, today, you know, what we are, we are um, citizens of the kingdom of God. Okay, we are citizens of the kingdom of God first, and then we're Americans. And so our, we have to walk according to the principles of God's kingdom and then, and then do our best to obey the laws of our, of our country to the best of our ability. But we are first and foremost following after Christ Jesus. So, you know, we're going to be uh, studying today about Isaiah. And if you want to know where this is coming from, where this is originating from, this is a summer series. And what we're doing is we're actually taking um, the scriptural reading from our journals. And I didn't bring a journal up here to show you, but you can get yourself a journal if you don't have a journal yet over at the Info Hub. They're five bucks. But I promise you this, it will change your life. And, And here's why it's so important to me. Because there's something exciting about studying scripture together in unity as a body of believers. And that's essentially what it does. So you have a reading plan, and, and in this reading plan today, we, we're, we, or this week, we, we would have been reading from Isaiah. And I spent some time doing my very best to, um, uh, to find something deeper in Isaiah, but God held me to the first chapter. And he said, if you don't understand the first chapter Isaiah, then you're going to have a really hard time with your New Testament theology. What you know of the Old Testament impacts your New Testament beliefs. And if you don't have a good, solid foundation in Old Testament teaching, then what you end up having is a weak and uh, shaky, uh, unsalty New Testament theology about Christ and what he saved us from and what he's saving us to. So if you haven't yet, I'd love for you all to open up to Isaiah. You'll find it right after Song Solomon, I believe. Right, guys? There we go. Sweet. And I'll tell you what. Isaiah is packed full of historical information about God's people. And it's an incredibly important book. It's actually the third most packed full of rich data that you could find of all of the Old Testament. But it's really important because you hear God's heart for his people and for you. And so we're going to be reading it not just as spectators, watching what God is saying to a people, but really from a perspective of God speaking to us this morning. Okay, so let's do this. Let's pray. Jesus. Lord, you are our God and King. 
You know, we bow our knee to you today and we revere your scriptures, God, with, they're, they're like a treasure to us. And I pray today, God, that as we get into the message, that we hear your heart, that we hear, God, the heartbeat of the Father for us. Thank you, Jesus. And I thank you for your special message that you want to speak over each and every person here. Amen. So as I was preparing for the message, I heard God say something very clearly. And I need you guys to hear this. You are the apple of God's eye. Some of you don't believe it. Some of you are trying to believe it. Some of you are, don't see the connection between your pursuit of God and his pursuit of you. What does it mean, the apple of God's eye? It means that you're desirable. You are desirable. And God did everything in his power to go after you to lead you to a place of intimacy with him. So that being said, we're going to jump right in to this extremely interesting book. And it's a powerful one at that. So let me give you the backstory. Uh, first of all, this is a period of time in the book of Isaiah. This is a period of time around 742 to 701, approximately exactly somewhere in that vicinity. I think that's an oxymoron, but approximately exactly kind of in that span, give or take a few years. But there is a prophet who comes on the scene. He's a major prophet, and he is speaking to the people of God, but the people of God are actually separated right now. There's a split in the kingdom. Not even 60 years after Song of, Sol Song of Solomon, after Solomon was king, there was a massive split. And so you have Judah and Israel, or they would, in, in the Bible you'd say Judah and Jerusalem. And these people are, in fact, two... They're like family, but they're separated with two different kings. And they go through a lot. They go through a lot. Um, the interesting thing to me is that this is a time where God brought peace to Israel and to Judah. Their land, they were fine, and all the surrounding countries were at war with themselves. So they were at this place of like, everything's cool. And in that spot of everything's cool, because of the split and because of the division and honestly because of the hearts of the people, they began to walk away from God, stray from God. And you guys know, the people of Israel, this is a common theme. Ah, repentance, coming back to God. God sanctifies them and, and brings them into relationship with them. And shortly thereafter, go boop. You know, shortly thereafter, boop. They, they just keep going their separate ways from God. And God is like, come on. What? what? It, it's amazing to me. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to get right into um, the first part, 
chapter one, verse two of Isaiah, I'm going to read this out loud, and I, I want to, we're going to take parts of this. Today is kind of more like a Bible study, but I want you to understand that there, the, when I say that you are the apple of God's eye, you're going to see God's heart in the midst of chapter one. So there's really no introduction. It's just, bam, here's the word of the Lord, and just hear it. And so Isaiah is bringing the word of God to the leaders and the people of Israel and Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know my people, do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord, and they have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. God is saying that these were my people, my people that I raised up, and yet their actions, the things that they're doing, it does, they have gone so far away from God that they don't even look like the same people they once were. Right? They're like unrecognizable. They, they're estranged. So in Psalms, Zechariah, and Deuteronomy, these are the people that God said were the apple of his eye. But now, they don't look like it at all. There's an interesting fact. Um, actions, not intentions, define a person. Actions, not intentions. Nobody says, oh, man, well, he was a great guy, you know. <laughs> I mean, he, he cheated on his wife, but, I mean, he's a great, his, his intention was to be faithful, but no, he, nobody says that. Their actions define who they are. They're an adulterer, right? You can have the greatest intentions of the world, but if you turn and do the the exact opposite of those things, you are that which you do. And what God is trying to say to the Israelites is he's like, hey, I want you to do the things that I've asked you to come in alignment with me on. But you're not. And now you're not looking like God's people. Side note. I already gave you that. <laughs> I will say this. I will say this is that a lot of people, what I've heard today is, oh, we're all good inside. You know, everybody's good inside. That's a total lie. Actually, what I'll tell you this is that you're not good inside, but I will tell you this. You have a lot of good stuff that you are made in God's image, and therefore you have all the good stuff, but our actions are basically showing us the sin nature, the issue, the disease, the problem of humanity, right? So Jesus is trying to get across to them 
God is trying to get across them. In fact, he's saying in verse 5 and 6, he's saying, you know, why are you choosing to rebel against me? He's, he's like, you're rebelling against me, and then you're just getting cursed. Everything is going bad for you because you're choosing not to be walking with me. You're not, you're not in relationship with me. You're, you're doing everything I've asked you not to. In fact, it's not even about that. It's just that your hearts have gone like this. And what he was saying is, he sounds like more like a doctor. He's saying, you're sick. And in fact, he actually says this, you're sick. And he's giving the diagnosis and the prognosis of the issue, the disease. And yet, the Israelites were still choosing that sickness. He's warning them, you're going to die. In 7 and 8, God reveals that their land has become devastated. Their resources are being plundered by foreigners. We're, we're talking like things are just not going well for Israel. But in verse 10, God says something, and this is what really struck me. Verse 10. He addresses all the leaders. And I'll tell you this too. I mean, at this point in time, he's, he's, he calls out to the leaders and he even says, you guys are like Sodom and Gomorrah, which were outcasts. I mean, this was like the worst of the worst. God brought down fire on Sodom, brought down fire on Gomorrah, destroyed the nations. Talk about a natural phenomenon taking place here. I mean, that's hardcore. Okay, how precise do you get fire and brimstone coming down from, from the heavens to decimate a city, exact city? So interesting. So he's calling the leaders and says, hey, you guys, you guys are like Sodom and Gomorrah here. He says, pay attention to my teaching. Something is about to take place. Pay attention to my teaching. In verse 11, it says this, what to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required you uh, this, this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations or just large gatherings. I cannot endure them. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. And they have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Can you imagine if you got that word personally today? I mean, put yourself there. Crazy. This is, this is heavy. God is heartbroken and he's offended. I thought, wait a second, I, I, I thought that God gave the Israelites, the, 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 God's people, 
I thought he gave them the feasts. Didn't he through Moses? He, he gave them feasts. He gave them sacrifices. Going further back with Abraham, he's, these are things that God called them to do in response to sin. But it was not about sin at all. It was about relationship. I have this really, really, really simple diagram, guys. I thought about this long and hard. I figured I, I could probably do this. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Sadly, it's not exactly straight. There's a little boop in the. But it, it, pretend this is a straight line. It takes a lot, guys, to do a straight line. But this is God. This is eternity. This is everything that does not lead to eternity. All roads don't lead to Rome. Heaven. Didn't Jesus say the door to the kingdom of heaven is small, yet the gates of hell are huge and wide open? Why is that? Is that just some, just the way that God made it? No. Because God is holy. And what God wants is for us to walk beside him in holiness. And so the, the relationship of the feasts and all the things that they were required to do was bringing them back into relationship with him. And then this is what he's saying. He's saying, no, no, no. You guys are going like this, and you guys are going like this. You guys at some point decided, I want my way over God's way, my will over God's will. And they began, and then, you know what? There was a time when they repented, and okay, I'll turn around, and I'll come back this way, and I'll keep going down the road. And they're, they're down here a few years later, and then, bam. In fact, you know what? We'll go down, and we'll hop over you, and we'll just get... The, the, the thing is, is that there's, it doesn't look like a straight line now. You're beginning to see it's total chaos. And that's what God was trying to explain to them, was that I want you in relationship, but you certainly don't want me, and now you don't even look like my people because my people ought to be alongside me. I made you for the Garden of Eden for this reason. Because he wants us to get through that door. This is not fear tactics. This is not something strange. This is just the reality of who God is. He cannot venture off and go with you on your will and your way. He can't, he can't deviate because he's God and he's holy. He is a just God. So oftentimes we find ourselves in judgment because, hey, we just, we just walked off the beaten path. We started following after our own pursuits. God's heart grew tired. The burnt offerings, it was never about the burnt offerings. It was about relationship between God 
and his desired ones. He says, your feasts, forget them. It's like, if you're not there, so what they were doing is they were being religious. They had become religious, yet not righteous. They were doing all the right things. And guys, as a Christian, you can know this. You can read the Bible all you want. You can, you can pray, have religious times of prayer. But if your heart is not in it, you are no greater righteous. A relationship with Jesus means that you have, you have entered into a walk with him. Now, does that mean that there is, a, listen, grace? We live in New Testament theology, which means that the stuff that the Israelites had to do when they were, first of all, we'll, we'll get there. But God made a way so that the religious requirements of the law, we no longer had to exercise for relationship. It continues. I'll just put this out here too. You can't serve Buddha and God. You can't serve New Age traditions and serve God. You can't serve Reiki and God. Ooh, that one hit a nerve. You can't, you can't love God and be messing with demonic activity on the side like it's no big deal, dressed up in floweriness, right? God's not a hippie, but he made the earth and everything good in it. <laughs> All right. That was a dip. See, people's hearts became selfish. They were motivated by their own passions, their own lusts, and they did whatever they felt necessary to serve themselves. They were going after other gods to serve themselves, to get ahead, to have success. And just God was tired because they had grown apart. Here's what it says in verse 16. 16, it says this, wash your hands, make yourselves clean, remove the evil from your deeds from before my, my eyes, cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Okay, so as Christians, we still have that mandate. Just because you, you, you've, re, you've received Christ doesn't mean, doesn't mean that these things that God is saying in Isaiah go away. Not at all. He says, no, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. I love this. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. I love that. He's not talking down to you. He's not like saying, guys, you're just a bunch of idiots. You just He's saying, no, reason with me. I'm trying to give you the picture. This stuff here kills you. This stuff here brings you life. This stuff brings cursing. This stuff brings blessing. Me, I bring blessing. All this stuff here, it's really, really wide. There's lots of where nothing, this is all cursed land over here. This right here is blessing. It says that if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall eat, be eaten by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Oh. 
So this goes on for quite some time. You could read Isaiah. I recommend it. Go through the, all the books of the of, uh, of chapters of Isaiah. And then you get to 52 and 53. This, this is all a lead up. And it's so important because 52, 53 actually opens up the prophetic revelation of God's plan to redeem all of the world to himself. Remember, you are the apple of his eye. Therefore, you needed a savior that can bring you back into relationship. And this is what's important to me, to everybody here. I don't know how this is going to go, guys. With Christ, because Christ came and was the perfect sacrifice for you, his, the apple of his eye, you now, through Jesus Christ, whew, have relationship with him to this degree. Okay. Did you see that? This, this here is one line. This is the, the relationship that you have with Christ. Does that mean we have times where we stray? No, no, no. Of course we do. And that's why Jesus came to die and to give us the Holy Spirit who keeps us in check with the Spirit of God, bringing us back, bringing us back, the Holy Spirit all the way, all the way. So this is my little squiggly lines here is life. The presence of God enveloped in this relationship. <laughs> this, I'll tell you, this is life giving to me, knowing that my God has me in his hands. Right? This is for each and every person in this room. You are the apple of God's eye. Did you know this? That you are not just a people of God, but you are a person of God. And without you, there is no nation of God. So a lot of times we sit here and we think, well, I come, I go to church, I come and I get, my, my, I get the time to worship, I, I get to work on my own relationship with God. And, and most of you guys are actually out there working on your relationship every single day. And that's the point. But not only do you have closeness with God, but God desires for you to share that closeness of relationship with the next generation. Amen. So all the traditions, the things that God passed down from generation to generation was so that the people of God would not forget who he was. And it was passed from generation to generation. In the Holy Spirit, this, this relationship of closeness, it doesn't matter, it doesn't, um, it's not tradition that keeps us close to God. It's not the doing, necessarily. It's the being. It's waking up in the morning and saying good morning to the Lord before you get going in the day. It's, it, so what happened was, dude, why does this always happen? So I, I wake up and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to prepare. I've, God said, before you even open up your laptop, bro, sit down with me. 
And my house is busy. I got two boys, 9 and 11, and they are like hurricanes in my home. And you should have seen the couches, the pillows, everything. It was like a fortress. I was like, whoa, I came into Camelot in my own room, my living room. And I was like, okay, guys, you keep doing your thing. And they're like, dad, dad, dad. I was like, I'll be right there, guys, full day later. But like, I, sto- I stole away, and I went upstairs to my bed. And I sat down on my bed with my guitar, and I began to worship God. And here's what happened. In the midst of worship, God said, I mean, I broke down weeping because I was like, weeping for me, and I was weeping for everybody here, because this is what God said. You don't have to be like anyone else. You have to be, you're totally cool the way you are right now. You don't need to measure up to anyone. You don't have to fill anybody else's shoes. You don't have to look a certain way or the, thing, the things that you think make you look a certain way. I want you. He said to me as I'm playing guitar, he says, that you were made for this. And that's not saying that I was a worship leader, Richie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, I sat down, I'm, I'm worshiping my brains out, and the Lord says, you were made for this. And honestly, every person in this room was made for this relationship with him. And so, man, I felt it, and man, it was like, um, it, it just, everything melted away. And I heard his voice speaking so on point, erasing away anxiety, erasing away fear, erasing away, am I doing this right? <laughs> am, I, am I leading my kids right? Am I leading my family right? Am I doing my job right? Am I, all these things. God said, your actions determine who you are, and this is exactly where I want you. You want to be a people of God, I want you to worship. It doesn't matter how well you sing. It doesn't even matter if you are singing. Worship God. I know some guys that are woodworkers that just, they worship God through the art of their work. I I know guys, people that hike, and they worship God by walking on those paths and experiencing his creation. I know guys that offer worship to God, working extremely stressful jobs, dealing with people that they don't want to deal with. They worship God. Yeah. They worship God. Zechariah 8, sorry, Zechariah 2, verse 8 says... For thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy 32.10 says, he found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him and he cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. In Psalm 17:8, David says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Brothers and sisters, open your hearts to God. The path to heaven is narrow. Eternity here on earth is a narrow blip of time. And it all is based on relationship. Not some magic words, not a tradition or a ritual. It's the relationship between you and God himself. Let today begin a restoration with Jesus. And as you all can stand. I guarantee that the level of intimacy that you will have if you choose to pursue him with all of your heart, your soul, and your strength, I guarantee he will lead you to lands of prosperity. He will lead you to lands of fruitfulness. He will lead you to places of blessing. The fruit of the relationship between us and God is not what we should be seeking, but the giver of such fruit. That's where we belong. Amen. Let's worship with God. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.